My Michelle Live podcast. My, 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 my Michelle Live. weekend to you. And as we end the week, we're going to have a week in review. Some of the big stories that definitely need talking about. Some of the big stories that are ignored or spun. We want to unspin them and put them right in the right direction. That's what we're here for. Adam and I, let me introduce you to my co-host, Adam Rosieri. Hey, Adam, happy weekend, my friend. Ahoy, happy weekend indeed. Quite a week it's been. There is so much going on and there is so much to talk about from what's happening at the White House to what's happening in D.C. via that private charter from Texas to D.C. Yeah. <laughs> what's happening in the economy internationally. But. You know, what the president's doing uh, in Delaware. <laughs> can we just get back to maybe an old headline that still has power today? It's a headline from a couple thousand years ago. Jesus is alive. This weekend we're celebrating oh, yeah. Easter. If I were a reporter doing a talk show host back then. Oh my. <laughs> OMG. Uh, how exciting it would be to report on that story. One of the most exciting parts to me of the resurrection story that is overlooked today with the story of the resurrection. There's one thing that's pertinent today that the very first people to be witness of Christ's resurrection to share, Oh my gosh, he's alive. It was women. Incredible. It was women who were less than dogs. They were worthless. They were like property. Their word was not even allowed in a court of law. And yet today we have a black woman Supreme Court justice. But Is now that I'm not sure. Well, I'm not a biologist, right? <laughs> in the Bible, the, the God chooses women to be the very first missionaries to spread the word that Jesus is alive. God appointed women back then before we even had conversations about women's rights or the fact that you can't define a woman, a woman today. So there you go. Happy uh, weekend to you and happy Easter. Man, absolutely. One thing that's been really upsetting to me over the last, I would say probably two eh, year or so, a couple years has been like the degradation of really recognizing Good Friday. A lot of companies have gotten rid of the holiday day for Good Friday and reduced it to this thing called a spring holiday or created a floating spring holiday, if you will. So I'm glad that we're here together now talking about Good Friday and just how fantastic and important it is to our lives and frankly to our eternal lives too. Like what happens next? Adam, I want to know what the lesson of Easter is this year. Give you us know, a I lesson. The, so this is, we have to really look within ourselves and then look, open our eyes and look at our neighbors, look at our community, look at those who we interact with on social media. And when it comes to the lesson, I, I have people that I've worked with in my past that sometimes we spar on Twitter and other ways as well. And I, I think the lesson is really one of compassion and forgiveness. And it's realizing that sometimes people who we come across they are not quite as aware of things that matter or they're not quite as educated on things that they need more clarity on. And so I'm thinking of the Bible verse from Luke, just father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And that's what I'm trying to apply towards my friends who are like those crazy liberals or my, my neighbors who are like those crazy far 
left liberals who are just like so far gone, seemingly so far gone. But then I realized they watch MSNBC. They're part of that group of 11 people that watch MSNBC. Or they, they don't expose themselves to a diversity of content. They're very isolated from the truth. And to be and and to be balanced, are- to be balanced, it does happen on the right as well. There's people who are, of course. Who are really extreme and come up with crazy uh, conspiracy theories, looking for the Rothschilds and such under every single rock. We can all learn that lesson to to find real tolerance. Jesus didn't hang out with people who thought like him all the time. Jesus uh, went and hung out with the sinners, with the refuse, with the people that people didn't want to talk to, with the people who were canceled. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. When we think about those people, we just have to remember, just remember within, just think about this, light conquered darkness and goodness conquered sin. Don't forget that and let that sort of drive you towards that position of compassion and forgiveness, right? Let that reassure you that things are going to be okay in the end. Uh, lightness will always conquer darkness. That's a lesson that we can learn. Father, forgive them. They, don't know, what, they don't know what they're doing. Speaking well, of someone who we, doesn't know what they're doing, well, I, I, I saw this and I couldn't stop. <laughs> laughing oh and i feel bad because i'm thinking dude has a finger on the little red button and yet i am this isn't funny but it's it so right? funny okay so set this up adam for those who are listening by podcast and not watching the video <laughs> so at my michelle live could have picked up on and i know you guys are a perceptive a perceptive crew here we're talking about president biden and we're talking about the fact that here this is a guy this is an administration that when they look at data and they see things that are trending the wrong way, they don't course correct. In fact, they double down. And so now we're looking at just what's happened over the course the past week and asking ourselves, why would they not look at things that are logical and correct course? Why would they double down on bad decision-making? And maybe it's because they don't even know what they're doing. It's President Biden was giving a speech in North Carolina. And after his speech, he turns away from the podium and extends his hand to shake hands with someone that's not even there. It looked like he was trying to shake hands with perhaps a ghost by the podium. And that was followed by him like looking lost in his own head and sort of confusedly trying to figure out, okay. How do I get off the stage? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, okay, let's take, let's watch this thing. He's turning and he's shaking hands with, and he's looking now backwards. And maybe I go this way now. Oh, he's wandering off, and this way maybe he's wandering the other way. And oh, maybe I'll walk this way. Left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, Joe. You can do this, Joe. Left foot, right foot, man. Oh my! Who's he talking to there? I don't know. I don't know. Really sad to see this, and it's also really concerning moving from the uh, the ghost handshake. We look back on this clip here that is so incoherent and jumbled it's like if you just close your eyes and you start just hitting a keyboard for just hitting random letters on the keyboard that's what's going on in this clip with joe and the words that are coming out of his mouth you're just like what are you getting at man and and what's on his lapel <laughs> there's bird poop on his lapel you, you, you literally you, see you the poop fall from the sky oh, and you, it hits his are, lapel are you okay? you and, no it works or, or or the mom and dad or, or the neighbor or when you go to church or when you're no, no I, I, I really mean it. There are trusted interlocutors. Think of the people. Interlocutors? <laughs> They're trusted interlocutors. 
whether or not there were there's a man on the moon or whatever something or whether those aliens are here or not. <laughs> i think they are you, you got the vaccination yeah. are you okay no it works <laughs> or, or, or the neighbor or when you go to church or when you're <laughs> i don't know why is he attacking don lemon and his vaccination he's a trusted interlocutor <laughs> you seem like that is like I mean, word vomit, right? What is going on there? Somebody please help somebody. <laughs> Someone help me. Someone help him. Someone help y'all. Like, I have, no, I have no more professionalism. <laughs> <laughs> I obviously am not a trusted interlocutor. Uh, I'd like to buy a vowel. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'd like to solve the puzzle. Interlocutor. <laughs> <laughs> But this is why people are questioning his mental capacity because no one knows what an, what an interlocutor is. <laughs> Nobody can define interlocutor. Oh, forgive um, them, Father. They know not what they We're do. Looking at the Quinnipiac <laughs> polls. And it's no shocker that we're still trying to figure out what an interlocutor is. And we're seeing his approval sink to 33% overall and, and big shrinks within key demographics, yes. key groups that you might argue put him in power independence now his approval rating 26 percent with independence hispanic voters 26 percent also women voters 37 percent which seems a little high when you look at the women voters who are still supporting well, what's Biden, a woman anyway just the white college educated women that are remaining in support of him and, and that's concerning, but it's every other female demographic, working women that are not college educated, working women that are that have some college, they're all like, no, this is not our guy. A younger people, age 18 to 34, 21% approval rating. I mean, that these are terrible numbers at a time in his presidency when he should still very much be in the end of his honeymoon phase. And then you look about you look at his VP, right? Kamala Harris, in her home state of California. She has only a 35% approval rating amongst Democrats there. That so is that's inane. Crazy, right? It's crazy. But she's as incoherent as the president. And well, we maybe she can tell us what an interlocutor is. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I would rather her not try because it, I it, she drones on and on and, and says absolutely nothing. She's uh, like that kid who writes the paper for school and just puts tons of prepositions <laughs> in there and just like just literally just word stuffs it, right? Just <laughs> Just put word. it in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is my 1,000 word report. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So the, you're telling me that the only people who are really supporting Joe Biden, the largest demographic, are Karens, essentially. You're exactly right. There are Karens that are supporting Joe Biden because everyone else, the Tiffany's, the Brenda's, everybody, right? Like <laughs> most of America is like, man, like you are not doing what you said you were going to do. You're not running as this unifier. You're not being a centrist. You're not, like, he's so far gone agenda that nobody likes. Oh, wait. Forget <laughs> running as a, as a unifier and all of those great words that you just said. I would just like him to be coherent. <laughs> you know? Let's start there, right? Just... <laughs> I, start have I have standards. I have standards. They are low, but by <laughs> God, I have them. <laughs> I remember when the media was like destroying George W. Bush for the way he said things. Things like nuclear was nu nuclear. But if yep. you're really being honest, let's dig into what an interlocutor is. <laughs> I, I don't know, know, but I know I'm not a trusted one. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, real sad. Uh, and in the midst of it, we have this poll, which I was showing on screen as long as we're talking polls. Most Americans, this is according to Yahoo News, most Americans are seeing politics 
over substance in the Supreme Court justice nomination and uh, confirmation. That's that's huge that people are looking at this and say, and, and so when we look at our new Supreme Court justice, we're she has a big asterisk next to her name. Katanji Brown Jackson's historic confirmation has a question mark by it. And that's not fair to someone. Now, I don't agree with some of her rulings. I certainly don't agree that you need to be a biologist in order to determine womanhood. But I'm not going to argue that she's not, she hasn't achieved much and is qualified to at least be looked at. Absolutely. But that is so sad to be a woman who's accomplished much and had to probably fight some stereotypes, bigotry, maybe racism, and yet have to live the rest of your life with that asterisk next to your I name. I think she's probably more self-made than Kamala Harris, for sure. I think she's a lot more intelligent than Kamala Harris. And I think that she has probably gotten to where she is today partially because of how she's chosen to drink the political Kool-Aid to work the system and get to where she's get to where she is. She is a judge, right? With not a huge judicial history. She's pretty young, but when she couldn't even be honest with herself or with the American people, when she was asked, can you define a woman? Like it's a very simple question, right? And and it should be a very straightforward answer. And so is it hypocrisy when she gets up and gives her acceptance speech and says this? The notes that I've received from children are particularly cute and especially meaningful because more than anything, they speak directly to the hope and promise of America. It has taken 232 years and 115 prior appointments for a black woman to be selected to serve on the Supreme Court of the United States. So when we don't, if we don't even know if she's a woman, if we... Is that why Cory Booker was embarrassing himself by basically like acting like a dog that gets so excited that it wets himself? Yeah, pretty much. He was an absolute embarrassment when he was not asking her any objective questions that could have been used to validate her character and her experience. Instead, he just sat there gushing over her because solely because she's a black woman. Because she's a black woman. Both to himself and then frankly, very disrespectful to any black woman in that position where they should have been given the respect of being given honest and and frankly difficult questions, given the respect to respond accordingly. Because dang it, as a woman who's gotten this far, I can handle it, bring it on. But that's not, but that's not what happens. It continues to be politics as usual. And that's what happens in DC. She is the first black woman SCOTUS, but let's just look back. It was actually our Now, President Joe Biden, who in 2003 blocked Judge Janice Rogers appointment, Biden warned President George Bush that if he nominated the first black woman to serve on the Supreme Court, he would filibuster and kill her nomination. So Joe's about as racist as it gets, Michelle. He's a racist person. Yeah. Yeah. I've never eulogized the the leader of the KKK. I don't think you have. I don't think most people in power today have. Joe Biden has. He he is a truly racist person. And he said terrible things to Clarence Thomas when he was going through his confirmation hearings. And arguably, Clarence Thomas is one of our best Supreme Court justices today. God help us the day that we lose him from SCOTUS. I hope we get an equally and 
uh, an equally qualified, excellent person to take that role. Yeah, right now, the politics, the over-politicization of the Supreme Court, and this is why this is an important news story, my friend, because the being a black woman and being so politicized, the politicization causes the, speaking of polls, the confidence in the Supreme Court to nosedive. And that's awful. When you see that fewer than half of both Republicans and Democrats think hearings led to better outcomes, that's huge. These polls show something really important. We've lost faith in the Supreme Court. That's terrible. It's terrible. That has to be one of our... So the Supreme Court as an institution in our government is supposed to be one of the most apolitical, objective institutions. And yet you have Twitter's New York City headquarters with a mural of RBG on their wall wearing a crown. That's ridiculous. That, that's not what the Supreme Court is supposed to be. It is truly supposed to be an ob- a more objective sort of voice of reason in our government, not quite so political now it's literally just an excuse for political mudslinging between our senators my favorite story comes from the deceased judge Scalia, who was ruling on flag burning he was hearing arguments and he would come home at night and his wife would play patriotic music and the star spangled banner at full volume basically and awesome. he said he actually ruled in favor of flag of allowing the flag to be burned because he said it's free speech and he said no matter how abhorrent i feel it is i have to rule with the law and with free speech and that moved me so much and helped shape my and bolster my feeling of reporting and commenting even on on news and being able to try to look at things objectively and find balance because it's not about my feelings it's about the right thing to do and man i definitely agree with that michelle like it's a lot easier to uh, to be a a cleveland basketball fan and to burn a lebron james jersey than it is to be (laughs) a proud american and burn an american flag Um, but I, i strongly respect that kind of decision out of justice scalia because Yeah, personally, he might have been absolutely disgusted by even the thought of somebody taking a match to our flag, which stands for the very freedoms that the people who do choose to burn the flag are spitting on, right? Yeah, Um, awkward. But at the same time, you have to be an absolutist when it comes to the Constitution, and you have to believe in it as it's written, right? Otherwise, you start to chip at it here and there, and before you know it, once the First Amendment falls, then everything falls behind it, right? So you have to keep that one intact. And so God bless him. When the First Amendment falls, everything else does. Maybe we can skip ahead to a pretty important story then concerning freedom of speech and how it has been quelled. Everyone, almost everyone has experienced being in Facebook jail, being having <laughs> things can, and, and maybe being canceled over ridiculous things. Oftentimes we're also seeing there's things on TikTok where people will say horrific things, but they don't get canceled because they're on the right side. We should say on the left side uh, of an issue. It's, it's just gotten to the ridiculous. And the only people that are okay with that 
are that 37% of women, the, those Karens. That, come on, ladies. That are, right? Yeah, come on. But I wanted to jump ahead to a story on Elon Musk and the continuing saga of Elon <laughs> versus Twitter. It's really incredible what's going on there. It's like here you have this first-generation American, this guy who immigrated from South Africa via Canada and knows what it's like to live in a country with no First Amendment, right? That's Elon Musk describes himself as a free speech absolutist, and I can appreciate that. He believes that social media platforms serve a role to society. They, he believes that they have a societal function yeah. that is to facilitate free speech. That means good ideas. That means bad ideas. That means left ideas. That means right ideas. It's a marketplace for thoughts. And may the best ones win. And so here he is now. He's like, he literally in a TED Talk yesterday said, you know what? I don't even care about the economics of Twitter. I believe that Twitter as a facilitator of free speech, as a function or as a platform that creates that and tees up that sort of opportunity, <clears throat> it is more important than economics. And so as a company, Twitter, for the last three years or so, if you look at their revenue and profits, Twitter as a business is worth just over $13.5 billion. And then all of a sudden, Elon Musk starts to get involved and he shakes up the market with an investment in Twitter. And <clears throat> over within weeks, literally, Twitter as a company goes from a $13.5 billion value to being valued at $35 billion. It sounds like funny money at this point. <laughs> and then just a couple of weeks from that, he says, you know what, I'm going <clears> to <throat> buy you guys at a $43 billion valuation. And so now the board is tasked with a huge decision. Do we let Elon Musk buy 100% of Twitter and take it private, or do we say no? Now, a board of directors for any publicly traded company has a fiduciary obligation to its shareholders. Their job is to make sure that they respect the financial interest of those who have invested in them. If you think about what might happen here, right? If they choose to not accept Elon's offer, Elon has already said he will reconsider his investment in the company. Basically, he's saying, if you guys don't accept my offer to buy you, I'm going to sell my shares. So what's going to happen then? You're going to have Twitter as a company go from a valuation of $43 billion back down to being worth maybe a little over $13.5 billion or so. They've been really an underperformer, kind of a dim light bulb as a company. In 2021, they posted a $221 million loss. They lost $221 million last year mostly because of a shareholder wage lawsuit against them for misleading investors about user growth. Twitter is not a growing business right now. And Elon really does believe that he can change that. He believes that he can unlock an additional layer of success for the business. So if Twitter's board doesn't accept his offer, they're going to be exposed to a boatload of lawsuits and legal liability being waged by the shareholders because they didn't act in the best interest of their financial interest. Whew. So it's going to be an interesting drama as we continue to follow Elon drama Musk versus right. Twitter. If you follow Elon Musk's Twitter account also, the way the guy uses his account is we already know Elon is brilliant, right? Like he's already, <clears throat> it was, I think in 2021 or 2020, he was hosting an episode of SNL and he disclosed that he's actually someone who deals with Asperger's, <clears throat> which I guess is he's basically somebody who's on the spectrum there. And Part of his condition is it means he's very rigid in thinking. And so that basically means that my interpretation of it is I see it as a strength for him. He's so rigid in his thinking that he, see, he sees things very logically. He's not easily shaken or bent from his positions, right? The way you convince Elon of something is, is you show him data, you show him something that, you, that he can actually test objectively, 
And then that may or may not change his opinion. He's also an optimist. So he's all about trying things that are exciting and that might yield something great. So I think that his disorder, which I guess you call it a disorder, right? Mm -hmm. Is actually a strength for him. And that's why he's so different from the other billionaires that are out there. Like he's not going to cave to the woke mob because he thinks that a degradation of free speech is ultimately bad for society. Why does he think that's bad? This is a guy who thinks that humanity has to be a multi-planetary species, right? He thinks that social media should allow free speech to happen. He thinks that to get to other planets, Mars and what have you, it's going to take a lot of innovative thinking. It's going to take a lot of creativity. It's going to take the brain power of more than one person. And it's going to take so, disagreement. It's going to take uh, heads budding exactly. because in, rattling of minds, yeah, right? because that is when I have this great idea and someone comes up and says, oh, wait a minute, that idea has some dangers to it. Uh, the Boom. spaceship is going to explode. If, But if someone says, ah, uh, I don't like that, uh, doesn't make me feel smart and uh, I'm canceling you, then you're not going to get anywhere. And that's well, just a, a, an example of how free speech really does work. Exactly. Now, that doesn't mean the board's going to reject his offer, but it, it also doesn't mean they're going to accept it. So Elon has already put some additional leverage on Twitter's board on his profile. He has a, a poll that's been running for <laughs> yeah. hours and there might be a couple hours left on his poll, but he already has close to 2.7 million votes. And he's asking, should taking Twitter private at a share value of $54 per share be up to the shareholders or up to the board? And so he's basically saying, listen, if the board denies this, the shareholders who, by the way, 83% of that 2.7 million people have, or that 2.7 million group of people have already voted. Yes. It should be up to the shareholders and not to the board. Uh, he's really teeing up a breach of fiduciary responsibility lawsuit. If the board's now nah, we're going to reject your offer. Why are these things important? Because when we have free speech, we get the rest of the story. We're able to, to see things objectively. Thousands of people have lost their lives during the pandemic because we had only one side of a story. To add to the whole concept of canceling out other voices. So a lot of the far left and the Twitter echo chamber is saying, oh, Elon Musk is being celebrated by conservatives. They're trying to say Elon Musk is like this super conservative guy. The thing is, you don't have to be a you don't have to be a conservative necessarily to be a free speech absolutist. Bill Maher, who's a very far left guy, and Joe Rogan, who's a Bernie guy, they are all like you don't have to be a, a, a somebody on the right or somebody on the in the center or someone on the left to, to appreciate the importance of the First Amendment. So there are people who are all over the political spectrum that agree with what Elon Musk is doing. Hmm. I just don't know why. I, I do know why. So many of people are afraid of the idea of free speech. Because freedom is scary. Freedom's scary and it's messy. It's so much easier to go about my life worrying about what the celebrities are doing or how to put on my makeup or what, whatever. It's, it's yeah. easier to do that and let someone else, those technocrats, think for me. Freedom is so important. And freedom of speech, Adam, this leads to another story. As we say, don't freaking mess with Texas. <laughs> <laughs> Governor Abbott Amen. is busing elite the to the folks who have been letting them in. <laughs> he's, you know, he's saying, "Fine, it's, it's you so deal." Funny to see the reaction to all that. Go ahead. Right? Like people are like, "Oh, you're forcing Texas is forcing people," and Governor Abbott's a terrible person for forcing people to D.C. But he's not forcing anybody. These are privately these are private charters that uh, are being offered as a resource to transport people. And you have people from numerous other countries, Venezuela, Nicaragua, El Salvador, 
who are finding themselves on a they're choosing to go on a bus from places like Del Rio to Washington, D.C. There was a reporter who was asking one of the people who got off the bus in D.C., like, OK, where's next? And a lot of these people are trying to make it to Miami for for spring break, which is funny. We'll see how that plays out. But it's nice, though, because we're now Texas. Texas can't handle all these people. The small towns that are taking on all of this illegal immigration, all of this border situation is a humanitarian disaster. It's a disaster for the ranchers who have private property and who have high fenced uh, ranches that, frankly, the, the fences are being destroyed. They're being cut down. When a fence is cut down, the livestock just wanders out. And how do you think that affects a farmer? How does that affect a rancher who relies on that and how does that affect us who rely on what the ranchers are are doing it's very selfish the cartel taking over the residences of private households along the border i have family that spends a lot of time near uvalde and at a high fenced ranch property and when you have the cartel coyotes and cartel leaders taking over housing structures on private property and then the only way to get them out is to show up with more guns than they have. That's war. That is war, folks. Joe Biden has a responsibility to protect the citizens of the United States. And he is derelict in his obligation to do, especially as it pertains to these border towns. It's an absolute embarrassment. The Biden administration is making these decisions and letting the results rest on the people of Texas. The people of Texas are saying, this is what we're shipping them to you. D.C. has had a a really good response from private charitable organizations that are saying, okay, we're going to step in because these are people. They are people. Making sure that they get connected with family or feeding them great but wait until you're overwhelmed like texas is and then you're going to be saying okay we've got to do something because we're not protecting these people human trafficking as it is at a all-time high you want to ask for reparations which is a, another story for another day there's more slavery today than there has ever been oh, be- a lot of it is because of what's happening at the southern border and abbott has yeah. said that this order to direct people is in direct response to title 42 which is which is supposed to be done on the 23rd of May. What Title 42 is, it restricts immigrants from coming into the country under the auspice of public health emergency, uh, like COVID. And and here's something that I just, once again, I want to bring up the hypocrisy. If COVID is still an issue and I have to freaking wear a mask when I'm flying on an airplane and there's still restrictions, I want to know why it is that uh the, that we want to dismantle title 42 i want to know why it is that i'm and i'm thinking i've got this figured out i think it's because the same uh, superhuman immunity that these these illegal immigrants obviously must have because they don't need any kind of COVID restrictions, vaccine mandates, masks to travel across the country. That's the same superhuman immunity that people like, oh, our vice president have. Apparently so. Watch this. I would say that the vice president and the president and all of us abide by what the CDC protocols are. It was an emotional day. It was a historic day. And oh, okay. So wait, wait, wait. And the vice president have both tested negative. Yeah. So it's okay. She, the, the president didn't have a mask on. She didn't have them. It was a historic day. It was an emotional day. So 
if I'm so they having get a pass? Yeah, uh, yeah so, the virus is off duty on the historic days. Just like <laughs> when you're sitting down in a when you're on an airplane and you're drinking your exactly. your soda that's right up there with historic and emotional <laughs> and drinking this virus it's is ridiculous. <laughs> it, when when title two when title 42 is up by the way on the border the other side of the border there are camps that have thousands and thousands of people that are waiting for title 42 to expire. And when it expires, you're going to have a big wave, a big surge of people coming across. And the Biden administration, how, what is their method for tracking these people after they're processed? They give them a smartphone so that the government can contact them directly if they're summoned to appear to a certain government office. Okay, wow. So they're given a smartphone that's programmed to connect them with immigration. You could just throw that away. Like you could literally just throw this taxpayer-funded smartphone away and then you're just off in the country doing whatever it is you do, right? Like, well, there have been also, good questions. Also, my company, I employ a lot of people from Texas, but and it's difficult to hire people who are here from a different country, right? They have to go through a certain process to be allowed to work in the United States. These people are coming into the country and now they're taking jobs from people who are here legally, both American citizens and non-American citizens, people that are here legally this group of people is coming across and they're now taking jobs illegally from and getting benefits and my cell phone isn't paid for they it's not about even equal right it's special rights for people who don't deserve rights because they are not citizens of the united states a guy walks into my house and says hey what's for dinner i'm like who are you you don't have the right to be here and eat my food you're not invited I, I, we can't wrap our heads around that but michelle in seattle though you can just squat there for long enough and then all of a sudden he's just he's a part of the family he's like oh crap, i don't even know this guy <laughs> just, just, i don't know the lunatics have taken over the asylum we're about out of time the, uh, just a couple other stories i know that uh, there's follow-up with the black lives matter Global Foundation donations that were used for the 65,000 foot uh, mansion, $6,000 mansion. I actually, I lived in Studio City for a period of time. And when I was living in in that part of California, that's when I happened to meet my wife and go figure I was from Texas and she's from Maine. We're just out there working. And so Black Lives Matter, just this was something that came out, but they basically bought the 6,500 square foot mansion for what was it? Six million dollars. Studio City. Yeah. And, Studio and one in, a... in Canada as well. So this is this is crazy. It's par for the course though, right? This was purchased back when Patrice Cullors, the BLM founder, was active in the organization. And back in 2016, which is about three years after the organization was founded, is when she started buying real estate. And if you recall, she bought like four homes worth over $3.2 million, in addition to this 6,500 square foot mansion for $6 million, in addition to a really posh vacation house on a tropical island i can't remember it's somewhere in the virgin islands i can't quite remember exactly where but basically using donations to to fund these real estate purchases and she was recently at an event in in washington and it was the the fashion center for the arts and at this event she was saying people that are questioning the blm real estate purchases under her leadership are racist she's saying that oh well i didn't even know about these reporting requirements and Yeah, it's ridiculous that our organization should be held to the same standards as other similar organizations that happen to also be 501c3s, which are just charities. Wouldn't it be racist if her organization wasn't subject to the same rules as everybody else solely because 
they have the word black in their title. And that, indeed, racist, right? but we should be subject to the same rules. But we that's have turned things and our kindness turns to cruelty. We care about people. We care that there's a plight to a people group that that have that seemingly. And this was something that was reported in the paper that we were talking about in our household this week. People of color disproportionately get fined and called out for transit uh, violations for fair violations they are disproportionately arrested they are disproportionate we see disproportionality ev- everywhere but what we're not talking about is the disproportionate amount of people in those people groups who are committing crimes why and what's really going on lack of family broken families some of the coddling and allowing like you mentioned with black lives matter we shouldn't be held to the same standard and why we know that it's not racist and and i'm not saying that there isn't racist leanings and, and things that need to change but if we don't look at some of the other problems that contribute we are doing a people group a disservice this article also cited something like 30 percent more hospitalizations for overdosing in these people groups so that of illegal drugs right. so what and does what do that say the water policies are going to do michelle they're going to make it bring more make these problems far worse they are fentanyl right now there's enough fentanyl in, in the united states coming across the border from china by the way via the border it's all made in, it's the fentanyl is made in china but like the virus overdoses just dramatically increase over the next few years <laughs> Wait, what was that, Michelle? like the virus made in there's china like, just like the virus from yeah, Wuhan. Just... that's right once upon a time you couldn't say that on social media without getting uh, flagged for for censorship go figure but yeah here we are with these kind of dangerous things happening and we're not addressing that the underlying problem goes back to how we opened the show that we're sinners all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god but there is a hope there really is a hope it it, it transcends sin transcends your political ideology, the color of your skin, who you voted for, what you ate for breakfast. Sin has affected us all. There isn't a, an inoculation. There's no vaccine for for sin. What there is hope through Jesus. And I challenge you to investigate the claims of Easter. Try to disprove it. Go ahead. God's not afraid of the challenge. He's not going to cancel you. Uh, But it does come with a warning. Smart people, amazing people have tried to do that. And now they're preachers or something. (laughs) So be careful. Uh, Easter is life changing. And so should the message of Easter for those of you who believe to remember that we need to uh, be praying this thursday we did a show with a gentleman who wrote a a book on prayers that literally kick ass we need to be on our knees praying powerful prayers against the powers and principalities and rulers of darkness that are overtaking our country with ridiculous mindsets. But to remember that our fight is not against flesh and blood. It's not against the crazy liberals or those right-wing wackos. Our fight isn't against flesh and blood. It's against powers and principalities and rulers of darkness in high places. It's against a spiritual ideology. We can pray and stand firm. We can have a power that's be even greater 
greater than the power of voting. And that comes through faith. And that's part of the message of Easter. Now, before we go, I want to say, find us at My Michelle Live. You could win this awesome pack of crazy things. We have coffee and My Michelle Live coffee mugs, My Michelle Live swag. We have a portable espresso machine that will make, I will challenge you, tell me if it's not true, that you can make the best espresso that you have ever had on par with some of the $10,000 machines. It's as simple as adding water on one side and coffee grounds on the other and then pumping it into Man, your cup. Don't go it's, hunting or camping without that thing. Don't, that's don't gone all over the, the world with that. me. It is so awesome. But you know what? You can win this and this pack and a trip for your family to a cabin resort near you if you go to My Michelle Live and sign up for our newsletter. And if you think I may not win, you can buy this at My Michelle Live. You can buy this, you get a good discount, and you help us stay on the air. You help us to report on the other side of the news that you aren't hearing. So you are supporting free speech when you go to My Michelle Live, purchase uh, any of our swag, any of the products uh, and that are our affiliates. We're going to keep trucking away. So thank That's you, it. Adam, for hanging out. Thank you for liking us and sharing us, being part of the solution. Happy Easter to you. Happy Easter, Adam. Happy Easter, Michelle. Happy Easter, everybody. For more fun, go to MyMichelleLive.com.